I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Hello, friends. I'm so grateful you're here. This is Once Upon a Gene, and I'm your host, Effie Parks. I would really love to know your thoughts on the podcast so far. Like, what's your favorite episode? Who's your favorite guest? Do you love it and want to write a review? Is there something different that you would like to hear on the show or wish I would change about it? Can you do me a favor and visit my website at effieparks.com? You can leave me an email there or you can even record a voice message. I'd also love it if you come hang out with me on social media, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, whatever your jam is. So keep in touch with me. And can you do me a favor today? Can you share this podcast with one person? I promise that if you do, you're going to have good dreams tonight. I feel so lucky to do this job. I mean, I don't get paid to make this podcast, so I guess it's not a job, but I'm lucky nonetheless. I get to have conversations with people who are changing the world every day, who make me think in big ways, whether it's at home with their families or curing diseases in labs. Every time I have a call with someone, I just, I feel really blessed. And I hope that by passing on these conversations to you, that something's resonating. My guest today is going to make you all pause. She's going to make you feel and think. I started following her last summer when I found her organization she made to raise awareness and fund research to find the cure for her two little girls, Abby and Emma. They both have the only known mutation of the FAP12 gene. Please make sure you follow along with them at Lightning and Love on Instagram to keep up with this gorgeous family and their mission. I loved my heart-to-heart conversation with her so much, and I hope you will too. Please meet Mariah Gillespie. Hi, Mariah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Effie. Oh my gosh, I'm such a fangirl. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. Yay, me too. I'm obsessed with your Instagram. And we've been trying to get this recording done for like a year on both of us. So we finally made it. Finally made it. Yes. Yeah, I was telling you earlier, I just expect myself and all of my guests to always cancel because that's just kind of the way the rare life rolls out. So yeah, well, I totally agree with that because I am one of those people that has to apologize over and over for forgetting to text back or email back because life is just so crazy and my brain tends to not always function on full cylinders. So thank you for your understanding. Same. I'm like the worst at responding to texts and emails. I should make an episode about it so people don't feel so bad. I like that idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mariah, we're not going to touch too much on your foundation and your daughter's diagnosis exactly, although super important stuff. And I'm really proud of you. We're going to kind of dig in a little bit to more of your day to day, but please do introduce yourself, your lightning and love and your beautiful girls. 
Yeah, thank you. So I am Mariah. I am the mom to two ultra rare little girls. My daughter Emma is four and my daughter Abby is two and they both live with a genetic condition that is technically still undiagnosed. We have a candidate gene that we are super suspicious of. And uh, last summer, I launched the Lightning and Love Foundation to, to further research into that gene. So we're doing pretty big things there with some animal models and finding more and more evidence that this gene is actually the cause of their disease. But at this point, Emma and Abby are the only two little people in the world to have this genetic condition. So we're kind of working from the ground up. But, you know, they are, they are beautiful little girls. They are so happy and sweet. They have seizures daily. They don't walk or talk. We're still working on head control. Both of them are G-tube dependent. And so, you know, we have all of those kind of typical struggles, but they are just the light of our lives and they're so much fun. And, you know, we're just, we're just pushing along and rolling with the journey here. Uh, dude, I always say like, I don't understand how parents like you get stuff like this done in such a short amount of time with so much added worry and stress and life altering diagnoses. I'm really in awe of parents like you and you're helping to move the needle so much for our entire community. And I just think it's remarkable what you are getting done for your little girls. Especially because my daughters are, are young to develop treatments or to find something that can help them within their lifetime, but the genetic landscape is moving so quickly that I just truly believe that cures are possible and treatments are possible and we can get there. We just need like all hands on deck and I'm definitely seeing that around our amazing community here and I, I just am excited to be able to participate with that and hope that my girls can be a little piece of changing the landscape for the entire community. Why is it important for you to feel like you need to share your story and share such a personal side of your story to this community? Yeah, that has been so hard for me. I Before I really started the foundation, we were a pretty private family. I've never been much into social media. And, you know, obviously, I, I want to... I want the world to know my girls for exactly who they are, but it was never really on my mind to share the story. And it started a little bit selfishly. I wanted to launch this foundation. I wanted to push research. I needed money. I needed fundraising. And that's what kind of got me started. It got me that push to start doing this. But as I started sharing more and more, it like opened my eyes to how amazing people really are. You know, being in a rare disease <laughs> journey like this can be so icy isolating and lonely. You really don't feel like anybody else gets it until I put my story out there. And then I'm like, oh my God, like all these people get it. And instantly you have all of these best friends, I feel like that I've never even met in person. And, you know, I always kind of laugh, like my daughters are the only two people in the world with their genetic condition. Like we are so ultra, ultra rare. But my story feels so similar to other people's like your genes may be different, but so many stories are really similar. And so now that I've started sharing openly about our girls and our journey, and just kind of the ins and outs of our life, I'm, I'm hooked, I want to share because selfishly, again, it provides so much support to me to have people letting me know that they've been through something similar and giving me suggestions on how they handled it or advice. But also, 
I want to be that for other people. I want people to look at our story and know that if you're going through a diagnosis day and it's the worst day of your life, like it can get better and it's going to be okay. And I want just the community to come together because we can drive research for so many diseases just for ultra rare diseases in general. So there's just so many reasons why I I feel so passionately about sharing our story. And I'm, I'm so excited to be able to do that on this platform now. Mm, I couldn't agree more. I am preaching that all the time with my hand up in the air. Like once you find people who get it and when you're able to feel seen and feel heard and maybe provide that for others, the growth factor in so many areas is just exponential and it's a beautiful transformation. Yeah, I remember one of my daughter's very first hospitalizations. I think we ended up being hospitalized for two months and I would lay in the hospital, you know, the little pullout hospital parent bed every night and listen to a podcast of rare disease. And this was probably a year and a half ago. And there weren't even that many back then. But it was like my lifeline, because it was really just giving me that understanding, like somebody else out there knows how this feels. And has been through it and is telling their story and it's helping me survive. And so, you know, I I know so clearly how helpful that was to me in those early days. So now I'm like, okay, we got to we got to be in on this together, guys. Like let's let's pull together for each other and just really tell our stories and and be a source of hope for other people that are going through rough times. Same. So I know you have two daughters that both share the THAP12 gene, and you're the only two that you know of. So add on all of the extra isolation rocks that you can. But I wondered, how have you been able to perhaps curb yourself from trying to compare your parenthood journey or your daughter's journey from those around you? And did joining the rare disease community help give you some tools in fighting that as well? Yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, I think as anyone can imagine, when my daughter was first diagnosed, when Emma was first diagnosed, and then later when Abby was diagnosed as well, the comparison was was really hard. I remember even just looking at other women that were pregnant and just you know, wanting to burst into tears seeing them because they were just starting this journey that was probably going to be so perfect. And my journey was falling apart. Nothing like I had planned for it to be. And, you know, we remember those early days seeing little kids run around and it was hard to go to, you know, friends that had similar aged kids. It was hard to go to their birthday parties or to their houses for dinner. It was it was just a struggle because the journey looks so different. And you're exactly right. I think joining the rare disease community has been such a help because now it's not you know, my girls compared to all these other quote unquote, typically developing children. Now it's my girls and this other rare disease family and this other rare disease family and this typically developing family. Like we are, it feels more like a diverse community full of such a range of abilities and diagnoses that it feels a little bit more inclusive. And I think that's a big effort on my part as well to try and tell our story so that being around differently abled people becomes commonplace because it feels less isolating and you feel less of a comparison when you have a a variety of people that you are you are around all the time and so it's definitely been a struggle to get here and I think it just takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and grace with yourself to let you feel those feelings but you know over time we've gotten here and the rare disease community has really helped with that and now I see my girls for who they are and I've stopped trying to get them to meet milestones or to catch them up and I, I let them choose their own timeline and their own path and you know for a long time I tried every therapy and possibly treatment. I remember 
you know, back on the epilepsy Facebook groups a long time ago, they'd said Fiji water, give your child Fiji water because it will detox them or I don't know, whatever. And so I only gave my daughter Fiji water (laughs) thinking like, this is going to cure her. It's great. So I tried all the things and I finally got to that place where I was like, you know what? I need to just let Emma be Emma and let Abby be Abby because they are perfect little humans for exactly who they are. And I let them make their own timelines. And now, you know, we still fight as hard as we can and we do all the therapies and we do all the things for them, but we've accepted them for who they are. And that helps me to not compare so much to what they otherwise should be doing because who's to say they should be doing anything in particular, you know, they, they should be doing exactly what they, they need to be doing at this time. I love what you said there when you said that this is just creating a more diverse group of kids and families to be around rather than just apples and oranges. I love that. And it, it's so true, right? And exposing everyone else to our beautiful children is so important, especially since it's just been such a slow progression in our society in general. So slow, I know. So slow. (laughs) I mean, the word disability is still so hard for some people to say because this world has just been so marginalized and so people are so afraid and they walk on eggshells around it. And yeah, being able to come to the point of acceptance too as parents and what you said about acceptance is exactly how it is letting them be who they are and letting our expectations of this person that didn't necessarily ever exist not be a part of that yeah I I think who's to say what is the correct life and what is the incorrect life and who's to say like oh I'm so sorry that must be so hard you poor thing versus like Our lives are different, but they're still really, really beautiful. And I just have this vision of this happy little world where everybody just completely gets along, (laughs) you know, completely independent of their abilities. And I just, you know, what I picture is, is a really, really beautiful, inclusive playground where all the kids are playing together on all these different inclusive swings and slides. And and I just, I see this happy little like oasis. (laughs) Oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) I'm getting a ticket to that place. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there someday. (laughs) So Mariah, how have you found ways to work through your grief? And I'm sure that it comes in waves for you, especially with how often your girls are admitted here and there. How does that impact you still? And what are some ways that you've found to kind of work through those really tough moments? And maybe where have you kind of came out of a lot of those dark spots? Oh my gosh, it's been such a learning curve along the way. One little characteristic about me, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but I tend to not picture bad things happening. I just always have this idea that it's all going to be fine, which Mm. is good in the sense that it keeps me a little optimistic, but it's bad in the sense that things can sneak up on me when they really do come crashing down. And so it's been kind of coming to terms with what our reality looks like. Trying to not walk around on eggshells, but still be prepared knowing that, you know, something bad could and will probably happen within our family. We've really all formed kind of our roles. So now it's become more routine when these things happen. So like I'm the hospital person. When Emma gets admitted, I'm the first to go handle the hospital side. And, you know, my mom is kind of the errand woman. She runs between and helps out with all the coordinating of things. And my husband, we joke, is morale and entertainment. He's 
the funny one that tries to just keep everybody feeling light and as positive as we can. And so we've all kind of settled into these roles so that we kind of know what are we doing in this situation that we can't control, but we know is going to continue to happen. How do we make it as seamless and, you know, as positive as we can? The grief is is definitely been hard. I can still remember being in the fetal position on the floor many times, just unable to breathe because the grief is just completely consuming. And I'd say my go-to feeling is just numb. You know, somebody tells you a new diagnosis or you're rushing in the back of an ambulance to the hospital and my mind almost doesn't process it quickly enough. I'm just completely numb to these things. And it's hard. I can't lie about that. But you know, I can say that we have turned to laughter as a family coping mechanism. We really do try to joke a lot and try to keep things (laughs) light and funny, even sometimes inappropriately. But that has been helpful. We have an amazing support system with in-home nursing and with um, my mom as our nanny and we have family close by. And that has been tremendously supportive that I can go run away and have a mommy day or my husband and I can go have a date day and try to still maintain our sanity along all of it. And just again, that acceptance factor, like I just, I live in the know that this is our life and it's unique and it's hard, but I would do anything for my girls and they're beautiful and our life is beautiful and we have a lot of love surrounding our family. Um, So we just push through. It definitely comes and goes in waves, but I think overall we've, we've managed to get to a place where we live a pretty pretty darn happy life despite it all (laughs) I actually personally think that the way you do it is perfect Uh, having that outlook with light and the glass half full sort of outlook on things but not ignoring or dismissing the fact that there is another side so you've prepped you've delegated you've created coping mechanisms and ways to get through these hard times but you still always look at it with hope for silver linings and i think that that's a brilliant way to do it i hope so cuz sometimes i just feel super naive when i'm like <laughs> i am going to cure my daughters just watch me <laughs> no but it's not it's the opposite of that <laughs> No, but it it definitely helps to not be overcome by grief all the time, to be able to to see the positive and look on the bright side, but still have that, you know, expectation that it's going to be hard again at some point here. Totally. What are some of the ways that you actually take care of yourself, just you, not including dates, not including anything? What do you do for yourself that you have to do all the time? I'm always really intrigued and inspired by the way others take care of themselves. And I like to cafeteria choose those for myself so I want to know what you're doing I live in the bathtub I try at least daily (laughs) in the evenings I tell my husband all right I'm getting in the bath and usually it's like oh how long are you gonna be in there because (laughs) I take as much time as I possibly can until I hear like a baby crying or something but I go in there usually with a book and I you know do my little bubble bath and all my things face masks sometimes and The sound of the water kind of blocks out everything and is white noise that kind of lets my brain calm a little bit. And then just trying to turn off my brain as much as possible. I do try meditation here and there. I'm terrible at it because turning off my brain is like an impossible task, but I'm I'm working on it. But yeah, just taking that time completely isolated behind a door, you know, water going book in hand and and just trying to decompress a little bit. I love that you do that every day. That's so important (laughs) to be consistent. That's my go-to, yeah. (laughs) Every time I get in the bathtub, I'm like, why am I not doing this every day? Yeah, I'm, I know my poor husband because every day I, I'm in there. 
<laughs> so I'm running away for half How an hour. How long is it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it oh helps. My <laughs> okay. So I also want to know, you're running this foundation. You're chasing a cure for your daughters. You have all of this big, amazing, fantastic stuff going on for the rare disease community. And I know that sometimes you're probably feeling super empowered and that things are moving along really quickly. And then at other times, perhaps when one of the girls is admitted or you're hitting a roadblock with all of the emails and the phone calls and maybe just stuff not moving happening quickly enough. What is that like? And how do you manage those transitions with momming and organization stuff? Yeah, I mean, so sometimes that becomes even the harder part of this journey. Like I've gotten the momming thing down pretty well. I know my girls, I know what to expect with them. And that's become pretty routine. But jumping into the rare disease community for me has been new. And it's been a different experience. My background is not in medicine. It's not in science. It is not in advocacy or fundraising. And so I feel like I'm trying to learn all these things, you know, completely from scratch. And I sometimes just feel like, you know, small fish in the big ocean, because there's so many incredible stories. And there's so many incredible organizations that are making moves. And I look at them and be like, Oh, my gosh, how do I do that? How do I become that person? How do I fight that hard? And it's really intimidating, especially being, you know, again, my girls are the only two, I'm the only one, I don't have a parent community or a patient community to fall back on. And so trying to attend meetings with scientists and researchers and act like I know what I'm talking about is crazy. And it's on a daily basis that I go from being like, yes, we got this. We're, we're making moves. You know, we're, we're making progress on our research to being like, what am I doing? Am I completely insane for thinking I can actually do this? <laughs> so it's definitely like on a day-to-day -day roller coaster for me. And especially because the research of things is slow. I have to, you know, get super pumped up and say, yes, we got this mouse model. Oh my gosh, they're going to start developing this now. And I have to wait a year to see anything come from it and not getting completely dejected because that is such a long time to then wait for any outcomes. And so you're not really seeing the results of your work until a long ways down the road. And I've just sat on so many phone calls with people where I had to just nod and smile and pretend like I was knowing what I was talking about to get by and, and hoping that I was able to act smart enough that they really did want to, you know, jump onto our cause and help us out. And so it's definitely it takes a lot of self discipline to continue on with it and talking my myself up so that I feel like I'm actually able to do these goals that I've set out. So it, it's definitely a huge roller coaster for me. Mm, you're badass. I adore your honesty <laughs> and resilience in it. And spoiler alert, I bet almost all of the parents who start off on this journey are nodding and smiling and hoping they understand what is being talked about and are really just hanging in there the best they can. So I bet you're not alone in feeling that, Mariah. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who don't make it to the table the way you are. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, I look up to so many other organizations that are just doing amazing things. And they've been my biggest inspiration and also my biggest teachers. I'm trying to emulate so many of the things they're doing. And I think that's a big part of this journey as well is how can we make this just a generic step by step process? If you get a new diagnosis, do this, 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 and it will lead you to the best possible chance for a treatment. Like we're learning all of us, all these communities and all these different organizations are learning how to make this a more seamless process. And I I'm excited for that to happen for future generations of rare disease 
families because I definitely believe it's possible. Totally. That's on my to-do list to make a masterclass with all of the parents and families and organizations like you in making step-by-steps. Who is a rare disease advocate that you love so much? So last night, as I was preparing to chat with you today, couldn't sleep, decided to look up one of your podcasts and stumbled on um, the Tess Research Foundation. So Kim Nye and was listening to her story. And oh my gosh, it was like listening to my own story, except this woman is incredibly eloquent and smart and amazing. And she's done so much for her foundation. Their research is so far along. And I was just completely blown away and honestly very intimidated to come talk to you today because (laughs) how can I compete with some of these people? But my only claim to fame here is like, okay, it is possible for those, you know, lonely in of one or in of two cases with the random mom that's still working and still trying to mom, you know, you can do it too. So, you know, I listened to that with a little bit of intimidation, but a whole lot of inspiration and just completely blown away by what parents can do for their kiddos. Like we are pretty amazing community of people to be able to step up and make these things happen for our children. And I'm so proud to be amongst such an an amazing group of people. Yes, Kim Nye is incredible. And I thought of her actually a while back when I found out you had two daughters and my girlfriend, Jill, who's been on the podcast too, also has two kiddos with the same diagnosis. And you're all kind of, you should all have a little Facebook club. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I felt like there's nobody else in the world that has this where they both have these two kiddos that have never had these diagnosed, you know, conditions. And now I'm like, ah, we have a community of of us. (laughs) Like, let's hang out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know that Jill and Kim would welcome any sort of communication from you in any capacity because they're both just such beautiful and graceful and wonderful, smart women. So I'm glad you found that. That's awesome. What lesson that was the hardest to learn are you most proud of? It really is that acceptance piece because I think that it would be so easy to fall into a place where I did constantly compare to other children that were more typically developing or fall into a place where I felt completely alone or I was sad or I was always consumed by worry and grief because those are very justified feelings to have in this situation. But my proudest, I think, accomplishment is that as a family, we have gotten to a place where we completely and wholeheartedly accept our girls for who they are and for the journey that they are on. And we love them for them. And we laugh and we hang out together as a family and we joke and you know, we, we're just really happy. And I think that's an accomplishment. Just being happy is an accomplishment because life has thrown us such crazy curveballs that it would be so easy to let them destroy us. And I'm very proud that we, that we haven't, that we've survived and and not only survived, but we've thrived. Yes. That's a huge one to conquer (laughs) and can take people years if ever. So that's a really big that's a really big accomplishment and I just love it so much because that stuff can sting and finding the finding the rebirth in it and how much it can refresh everyone and enrich your family is just such a goal to try to reach because it really does fuel you. Yeah, it definitely does. I've learned so much from my daughters over the past four years. I'm a completely different person than I was before them. And honestly, in a much better way, they've given me so much perspective and they have taught me 
what's really important in life and what to focus on and what love really is, what unconditional love is without any form of judgment. And I feel that for them, but I also feel that for the world a bit more broadly and for our community especially. So I'm, I'm very lucky that they chose me to be their mom because they've given me a huge gift in, in what they've taught me. Well, Maria, I just have one last question. I would love if you could leave anyone listening a piece of advice, especially if they're just beginning this journey. Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice is you are not in this alone. We have a community, an amazingly welcoming community. If you are starting your diagnostic journey or if you are in the middle of it and feeling lonely, reach out to, I mean, me, any of us. Like We always want to connect with people that are going through a hard time, that are going through similar journeys. We are all in this together, and I really believe that by coming together as a community, we are going to make amazingly big changes in the lives of our children and um, in the lives of each other as caregivers, being a support network for each other. And I feel so lucky to have found this community and I would love and feel honored to, you know, be a support for anybody else going through a hard time. Thank you so much. You can contact Mariah at lightningandlove.org to learn more about her organization or just message her like you, like she said. Mariah, thank you so much for being my guest today. I loved chatting with you and I've loved getting to know you over the last however long of social media. And I think you're amazing and keep going, girl. Thank you so much. And you're amazing too. Thank you for what you're doing and, and sharing our stories. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.